As promised, I'm going to sort all this penalty-filled first round. Figuring it all out. we got an expert, Dave Jackson, former NHL referee turn analyst on ESPN. First of all, Dave, thanks for joining us. And second of all, aren't you guys supposed to just fade off into the sunset? Aren't you tired of people telling you how to do your job and telling you how wrong you are? <laughs> well, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, the great part, the great part about my job right now, I'm kind of like a grandparent, you know. When they talk about you get to have your kids, the grandkids, for a couple of hours, and then you send them back to their parents. No one's really mad at me, so it's kind of the great part of the job. Well, listen, uh, uh, no question. Uh, when it comes to guys like you and Coho, uh, uh, south of the border, you guys have done a nice job, and uh, it it. It's not any less easier, is it, whether you're on the ice or you're watching from afar. Uh, at times, you're looking at 50-50 calls, right? So basically, we're, we're right back to your, your first instinct, uh, judgment calls. Well, exactly. I, I mean, I think in some ways it's, it's, it's tougher because when you're on the ice, you just react, you make the call, and you move on to your next game. You don't read social media. As in the analyst role, People just target you, and they want they want an answer. And sometimes, if you don't give them the answer they want, they they just keep trying until they get the answer they want. And it's probably not going to happen because I never changed my mind on the ice. I'm not changing it now. Yeah, that's a healthy way to, to to do business, I would imagine. So, what have you thought? I don't know how closely you've watched Toronto Tampa Bay, but you know Toronto, one of the least penalized teams over the past few years. Um, you know Tampa Bay, a little bit more penalty prone, but boy, it has been double digit penalties every game. Have you thought it was excessive or well called? You know what? I I was battling on all fronts about a week before the playoffs started. Everybody was telling me. You know, come playoff time, it's it's helter-skelter. Referees put their whistles away. They don't call penalties. And I kept telling them, I said, that's not true. Stats have shown that we call more penalties per game in the playoffs than in regular season. And I said, the referees know what the standard is, and they're going to apply that standard. And now the players ramp up the intensity. The referees are ramping up their intensity as well. Are there calls made that you might look at and say, well, did that need to be called? I mean, sure, there's going to be judgment calls that you don't like. But I think overall, the referees have proven they're letting the skilled players play. They're not letting guys get away with stuff. And they're calling the standard. I mean, they're being consistent. They're calling penalties in every series. Every series I've watched, the referees have been committed to calling infractions. So when it comes to the standard, how hard is it pushed um, you know, from the, uh, the hockey ops department to revisit the standards or to send video? Is it just, is it just something that's said in passing or is it just completely ramped up again? I I've talked to a few different people, Dave, and, and some are suggesting to me that like so, sometimes like a, a police officer waiting on the corner for six hours, there's, there's a quota that uh, needs to be met. And some are telling me that there, that there's almost a feeling of the same way now going into the, the playoffs, but Maybe you can speak more to that uh, uh, moving forward here. Sure. Well, I mean, I'm not privy. I was not in the room. I mean, I'm no longer obviously on the ice. But I can tell you from talking to people and from my past experience, it's not something said in passing. They have a conference call for all the officials before the playoffs start. Uh, Mr. Bettman, Colin Campbell, Stephen Walkham, they reinforce the fact that you guys, you know what the standard is. 
You know what it was coming out of training camp. It's the same standard. We're not changing it, but we don't want you to put your whistles away. If you see a penalty, whether it's first man of the play or if it's overtime, we want you to call it and we'll support you. And then they follow that up with videos. And then also what they have in playoffs is a series supervisor. There's one in every series. He meets with the coaches and GMs every single day. The new crew comes in to do the next game. He gives them intel on what's happening. He gives the referees intel on what he has told the GMs and the coaches and what he expects the guys to do as far as the standard. And he tells them, you'll be supported. Call the standard. But don't make up penalties. Let them come to you. I mean, it's a playoff game. You don't have to go looking for them. So has this evolved over the years? Because uh, obviously it has been shown that they do call more, refs do call more penalties in the postseason now. Um, I definitely feel like growing up, uh, guys would get away with a lot more. You know, oh, it's the playoffs, you got to battle through. This seem, Is this part of like an evolution of refereeing where, hey, people want us to call the rule book, well, here you go? I believe so. I mean, don't forget, you know, the old-time hockey we're used to seeing, it was one referee. True. You had a lot. You didn't have eyes in the you didn't have eyes in the back of your head. I mean, I can remember watching playoff games back when I was a kid, or I mean, even when I started in the one man system. I mean, you had a lot more stuff going on. It was, you know, uh, pretty much it was prison rules. Anything went. And after two thousand four, two thousand five, I mean, it's just been an evolution. Uh, we clamped down on the hooking and holding. Guys found ways to cheat. They started slashing. So. We clamped down on slashing in 2017, and guys were like, okay, we'll use the stick now. Uh, cross-checking motion to neutralize players. We clamped down on that. It's just it's constant evolution, you know. It's like, uh, it's like scammers. They find one way, and they get caught, and they find another <laughs> way to do it. Uh, we're joined with Dave Jackson, former NHL referee turned analyst on ESPN. Kipper, your house is on fire. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know what the dog did, guys, but uh, we're on it. We're on it. Um, you know, earlier, sorry, guys, we'll try to control this, but um, I'm at my mercy right now. Um, just wanted to talk about, uh, you know, the the influence of the crowd. Last night we saw a penalty called. It was a huge delay, and it was almost as if, Dave, that uh, the official needed to hear the roar of the crowd before putting the, the, the cherry on top of the Sunday here. What kind of pressure does a guy go through? Uh, you know, playoff pressure for officials, and, you know, I've never been in as a player the way you have, uh, Nick, but for officials, I mean, it's night and day. Um, I didn't realize that. I mean, my first seven years in the league, it was one referee, and but I was standby for all these playoff games, and I was, you know, behind the glass, and I said, wow, this is really different. But it wasn't until I actually did my first playoff game I thought I was prepared for it, and I just I couldn't believe it. I mean, my head was spinning. It was so fast and so intense. Um, it's it's just night and day. You have to be focused. Uh, you have to. You can't have any distractions. You can't be reading the media. You can't. You can't be worrying about games being played by by coaches by teams. You have to go out there and just say, I'm going to react to what I see. I'm not going to make things up. And I know the penalty you're talking about. I think he. I think the referee uh, was caught a little bit off balance himself. Took him a second to readjust, but I think he got it right. Yeah. At the end of the day, I'd say you don't mind a guy waiting if he gets the call right. So how much? Um, how much do you take into consideration guys who are more? I don't want to say dive, but guys who embellish. Michael Bunting is a guy who's got quite a reputation for drawing penalties. Sometimes goes down a little easy. Um, you know, so how much is that? Are, do, are you cognizant of that? Because sometimes in playoffs, with all the grabbing and physical play as a player, I know it feels like, God, if I don't go down, these guys aren't going to see that I'm getting hooked here. 
Yeah, I hear you. And I think some guys get a, get a bad rap uh, because we're able to slow things down frame by frame. And when you do that, you run the danger of going, wow, he kind of, he kind of embellished. I think when you see things in real time, that the game is played in real time and it's officiated in real time. Mm-hmm. And that's why I don't like the discussion about, well, put a referee in the press box. I think guys on the ice have a much better feel for if a guy embellished or didn't embellish. Um, and you just react to it. Um, if you need to call doubles, then you, you, you call doubles. But I, I think a lot of guys don't realize, the average fan doesn't realize that the game is so fast, it doesn't take a whole lot to knock a guy off balance and have him go down. Dave, now that we're getting into the nitty-gritty, uh, a game six, a game seven throughout the, the National Hockey League, uh, will we see less penalties? And if we do, is it because the guys have tightened up because of the standard that's been set the last uh, four or five games? Where, do you, where are your thoughts on, on the number of penalties in, in these critical games coming up? You know what? It, based on my experience on the ice, um, I didn't do a ton of game sevens. I did a few. I did a lot of game sixes. There were less infractions. Uh, you go into it, you're, you're more ramped up. You're, you're pumped, and you know you, you know how important the game is. And you can just get a sense on the ice. I mean, Nick, you played in a bunch of games like that. You get a sense on the ice. The players know how important the game is and how important not taking penalties are. I just think players play with much more discipline in those in those kind of deciding games. It makes the referee's yeah, job a lot point. easier in some cases. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, uh, Dave, did you happen to see, before I put you on the spot, did you happen to see Darnell Nurse last night, the headbutt? I did. Okay, I did. What, can, I, can I get your thoughts on that? That's a potential huge loss for the Oilers. If people haven't seen it out there, he put his head pretty sternly into the chin of Philip Deneau. Yeah, and just uh, before you I go, Dave, watch. just just note that uh, he has a, a hearing with um, NHL Safety Department, so... Uh, you know, we anticipate that he may be unavailable in a critical game six. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's going to be a huge blow. But, I mean, I saw the replay, and as I'm watching, I'm, we, they didn't really uh, key on it. It was it was really quick, and they, they went around. But I saw it immediately. I went, oh, my God. Like, did he just do that? Did he really do what he did? Mm-hmm. And uh, I just think there's no place in the game for that. Yeah, so I imagine they'll they'll be seeing some supplemental discipline from yeah. there. I, I do feel like Kipper and, and Dave here, there are less incidences in the postseason of suspension-worthy, I think, this season. I can't think of many. The other one I wanted to get you to weigh in on was Oshie, uh, his hit on the on the second goal there, the last game. Do you know the one I'm talking about? Sure, yep. yeah. Yeah, what sure. were your thoughts on that one, clean or not? I think it's clean. Although my, my first reaction when I saw it was I went, oh, my God. Like, it looked really bad. And then when I watched the replay and watched it slow down, I realized that Oshie didn't materially alter his body position at all. He was just going for a hit. And um, the player loses the puck, loses the puck. He changes his body position looking down for it. And I believe that the initial contact, when you look at it really slow, he makes contact with his glove that's holding the stick, and the stick is what contacts the face first, causing the reaction. And I know you really got to break that down in frame by frame, but I think the referees on the ice that were close by, I, I think they got it right. And when you talk about suspensions, the uh, first part of your question, you're right. There, there's been less suspensions for things that might happen 
during the regular season. But you got to think about a guy gets one game in the regular season. He plays an 82 game schedule. If you extrapolate that with a like seven game series, you suspend guy for one game. That'd be like giving him, I don't know, 11 or eight games, you know, for. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like in a seven game series, you like take one seventh of that game or one seventh of that series for one game suspension. That's a good, you know, seven game suspension. Oh, it's, uh, everything's on the line. Every shift, every every game. Uh, one more for me, Dave, and I'm not sure if you saw the hit that uh, Matthews laid on Sergachev into the glass. And, you know, my first thought is this is a guy in the past that's been ragdolled uh, by, by Montreal Canadiens in the past. And my, my first thought yeah. is, hey, better to give than receive sometimes in this game. But uh, what were your overall thoughts uh, on that hit? You know, I thought that hit was was borderline. Um, I didn't like it. I don't think the referee. I don't think the referee saw it. I, um, you know, the player was was dumping the puck out. The referee was turning. Although I really, even though he was down and injured, I really don't think it rose to the level of a major penalty. I think maybe if the referee had a different angle on it, you might have seen a two minute penalty there. Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree with that. Uh, that uh, that was a missed missed call. Um, but th- there'll always be a few, man. It's a fast game. It's a quick game. You guys ultimately at times get boxed out, right? I mean, you're you're trying to look through bodies sometimes. It's it's not as easy as it looks from, uh, well, from that, our couches. That's exact, exactly it. People don't understand. I think the only way you even come close to realizing how fast it is is if you were to stand down in the uh, Zamboni entrance or something right against the glass and just realize how fast it is and how, how tough it is to get sight lines. When you're looking through big bodies, it's it's just I mean it's it's a real skill. It is, and uh, one you enjoyed over uh, your career, Dave. Really appreciate your time on the show. Thanks, thanks for joining us. Anytime, guys. Thanks for having me. And, thanks, and, Dave. Appreciate and, it. And I'm not on fire, so um, everybody <laughs> can stay calm. I'm, I'm okay. Yeah. Thanks. thanks, Dave. All right, guys. Take care. Dave Jackson, former NHL referee, now a rules analyst on ESPN. Not an easy gig, those guys. Give them that. No, I love the point you made about sight lines. Like, you know, as a player, you you can't see the forest for the trees. You're trying to look through all these huge people moving fast, let alone referee looking through 10 bodies to make calls. It's a tough gig, man. And I, when I went to the the Winter Classic there uh, in in Hamilton or it was the winter classic or heritage classic, whatever it was called. And I had the chance to sit right on the glass. And that was my first time on an NHL, like that close. Like I've, you know, I've been down and closer, but being right on the glass, he's right. Like those refs, boy, like I, you know, I'm sitting on my couch being like, Oh, you missed that trip. You idiot. And then you sit down there and you're like, good Lord, oh. these guys are going fast. <laughs> like They are flying around out there. So, I uh, I understand what he's saying, but you know, if you're getting paid the big bucks, if you're a professional, I mean, you kind of have to be able to take the criticism with it. So I see both sides of it, but I uh, I like that. I think what he said too about the game six and game sevens, he says they're almost easier because the guys know how important it is. I think is a very interesting penalties. point. And uh, yeah, one hundred percent. Like uh, I've always pride my game too on being able to draw some penalties. But mm-hmm. the the risk now of even falling down and forget about get, not getting the call, but just leaving your feet for a split yeah. second. Yeah, now you're a step behind. 
now you're a step behind and mm-hmm. now you're like is it worth it now am i going to try to am i going to try to draw this penalty by rolling um and leaving my feet and if i do and i don't get the call how vulnerable am i on a back check do i lose my d up the ice because that's my man right at the end of the day if i'm the I'm forechecking in the corner. It, I cannot have my D beat me back up the ice. Yep. All and, of that comes into see, play. You can see how as teams try to set the tone early in the series, it's a much harder thing to call because everyone's looking to, again, set the tone and be hard on guys. And you can see how the series would get easier to referee as it goes along. But it does result in a pretty janky, disjointed game where you're short, your lines are out of whack because of the special teams. We actually have John Cooper's thoughts on the special teams. Lance, I don't know if you're available to play a random clip like this, John Cooper on special teams. I'm not so sure teams that's the first focal point of uh, the season when they're practicing is to play practice four and four Um, remarkably we've played a lot in this series uh, but I don't even think we're leading the four and four race in the playoffs I think other series are are playing um, more than us but it's been it's been odd that there's been so much whether it's five on four, five on threes, four on four, I've never seen that in the playoffs the way it is. Don't and please do not ex- think this is an excuse. It's it's not by any means. It's just it's different than what uh, what we're used to. And and so I think I think Toronto after two periods had three five on five shots. So a couple Ooh. things in that clip. First of all. It's actually not Lance Kennedy on the board anymore. Lance Kennedy went over to the other side because of all the moving parts for the for the Jays game. It's actually Tom Young who jumped in ice cold wow. and nailed the clip. So, no warm-up. Uh, no warming. <laughs> he doesn't get Tom. any shots against him like they used to when you brought in a goalie in. Just no warming. Tom Young nailed that. But Is there a round of applause button? He has too much pressure. Or should we not push our luck? <laughs> Well, good job I, getting that last one in. But, but he's making excuses. He's like, I'm not making excuses, but he is. He is. Like, that's yeah. a classic a classic thing a guy that's making excuses says, I'm not making excuses. Yeah. Yep. And he, well, he said, please. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it is interesting, though, that, that four on four has seemed to work in the Leafs' favor because he's right. You don't practice it. But it is a strength of this this Toronto Maple Leafs team is that they have some skilled guys. Give them a little bit more rink. I'm not surprised they play well. John Tavares has a surprising amount of points at five at four on four this season. He's very good in that setting. And I love that Keith, uh, Keith played uh, Riley with Giordano uh, for a number of minutes at that four on four spot. So it worked we- out for him. You mentioned Giordano, and something we didn't mention at all, which was a pretty huge development, is for the last few power plays, they put Giordano on the first unit. Yeah. 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 Boys, we I talked that, about it. Riley's got to move yeah. it. That's a, that's a message again to, to Riley, and I think there was a think there was a commercial break, too, maybe out of it. So there's plenty of opportunities to put mm-hmm. Morgan back down. But they just it just needed a different feel. It needed a different energy. Yeah. And there are times when it it goes back to Morgan, and there's just a little bit too much. And what's your phrase, JB? Dusting it off. Yeah, you're and, right. You're right. I, I, it's just such a thing for me. And you know, Headman, Headman can make that outlet pass. He's got two great options, but he can also 
beat you back there. Sure, you can shoot it. Right? He can hammer it. But that and that's one thing that's missing from Morgan is that that ability that I I can pound it. And yep. uh, at times it it costs the Leafs uh, too much time up up at the top. Below the hash marks with Mitch and Tavares, you you know that's the real strength, right? It is. And Morgan he can get open when the puck's there. He's got great offensive sense. But, you know, I thought in the first half of the game they had Matthews on his uh, catch and release side. You know, he's on the left flank where he has to catch it. And because they're cheating towards him like he's Ovechkin or Stamkos and he needs that extra half a second, there's no lane for him. So Morgan, Morgan would hold the puck, then move the puck over to Matthews, who's got nothing. Like he's just dead in the water, and it's tough to even go back to Riley in that spot. Once they flipped Matthews to the one-timer side, I thought it was a much better look. And once they got the puck in the hands of Geo, who just get it and move it, I thought that, yeah, that made that, for a better-looking power that, play. That's the thing I noticed the most with Giordano was – he had two moves, hammer it and pass it to Matthews on the one time. Side. <laughs> yeah, and it's great. like yeah. exactly what we want from the top of the, you know, the power yeah. play. So I, 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 I liked him at adjustment. I have to but say, I, I do think sometimes uh, they, they push it to Matthew's side a little bit too often. I agree completely. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I think it's gotta be on this side to make it dangerous. It, it, a 16 still come on the number one facilitator out on the ice. Mm-hmm. It, to me, more, more of it has to go through 16, and then you hope that you put 34 in a position to finish it. Well, uh, and he got a look, Kipper, you know, and it came, I think, from 16 uh, where, where uh, Matthews got a one-timer on the backside where he had a shot. He got blocked by McDonough. He, d- he didn't quite get all of it, but there, once they did that, I thought they looked more dangerous. So interesting that Keefe noted that he didn't think they were good on the power play last game. I think they go back to Riley, but let's not... not it's no small news that last year Riley lost his PP one spot to Rasmus mm-hmm. Sandin, and this year he's lost it to, yeah. to Mark Giordano. Those those yeah. are interesting to me. It, it'll uh, what what will be interesting is uh, the first look on the first power play in Game Six. I'm curious where Matthews is. What side? And I think right. it's going to be um, Riley. Anything else you guys want to cover off Tampa or or Toronto? Do you want to just revisit a little bit Darnell Nurse? And what we think might happen, will he be available in game six? The Oilers now trail their best of seven series versus the Kings 3-2 as it heads back to L.A. I thought Nurse put a did one of those uh, oopsies. You know, like he tried to make it look like, oh, did my helmet hit him while I tried to body check him? But it was too obvious. He meant to hit him with his head. Oh, I, think, I think that's a game for me. He, he could have broke I, his face. I know. I think. I think it deserves a game, but I bet it's five grand. I, think so. I I just think he's too important. Based on what? Too important. I just, like, listen, want to make that. I don't think. I, you know what? He deserves a game, and I, I I just. So Evander Kane, you have no problem at all. Darnell Nurse is too important. What? Like I don't know. It's, reputation. It's a, reputation. It, it just comes down to the the Department of Player Safety. Not deciding a series, but making a huge swing in a series. I get what Sam's saying. If you take Darnell Nurse out, that's their best defenseman. And that's a yeah. huge game for a signature franchise yeah. with the best player in the NHL. And you're making a okay. sort of decisive move. I don't know if they want to make that move. I think he deserves a suspension. He still may get it. But if I had yeah. to predict, predict, he gets the 5K banger. 
All, all I know is if I'm an L.A. King and I see Darnell Nurse in game I mean, yeah. six. Sour. I, I get one back. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I I go to Drysaddle or McDavid, and I go, eeny, meeny, miny, moe. Who's going to get my accidental headbutt in game six? Because Interesting. we get one, too. Man, that. You want to play that game, Sammy? I know. I Listen, I think he should be suspended. It was a rotten play. But I just don't think the player, Department of Player Safety want to determine a series. And that's a big move towards doing that. But, boy, the Oilers are in the sweat zone here. This is not good for the Oilers. How about, first of all, give the Oilers some credit. They were chasing all night. They, they tie the game. You go in an overtime. And what was it all but a minute and a half? Minute and a half, and yeah. L.A.'s overtime was off the charts and he Jay Woodcroft decided to put uh, Drysaddle and McDavid to start that overtime mm-hmm. they didn't even touch the puck LA was off the charts to start and finish that OT just like the opposite of the Leafs you know where you know questions about Ken Matthews and Marner get it done here and there and like McDavid and Drysaddle can they've been great in plenty of postseasons they've been effective they were great last night you know, can they get help? Can can Mike Smith give him a save? Can Duncan Keith, you know, pivot? Uh, I just actually, do we have a clip, Sammy, for McDavid on the frustration of losing McDavid that game? Clip. Yep. Uh, All right, I don't think we ever said we were frustrated. Um, you know, we 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 knew that this was the game that they were going to play. They they play a a one three one. You know, we know that. Um, you know, we found ways to produce offense. Um, you know, we score four tonight. That needs to be enough in a playoff game. Obviously, it's not. Um, We've got to keep the puck over now. Minute and 12. That's in overtime. Needed a save. That's what he's saying, right? Yep. It's, listen, I... Did you see the, the play on the... The first campaign McDa- one was miserable. And but the play that McDavid made on the tying goal in the in in the third period, where he comes flying off the half boards, cuts into the middle, saucer right on the sweet spot for Drysidel, who bangs it home. The whole building's going nuts, and you're like, yeah, we got you know, it's going the right way. And then it just it feels like such a backbreaker. But uh, the overtime goal was ugly from all accounts. Well, and it was was it McDavid that blew a shoe in the in the no, other zone? No, that was Kane. Okay, McDavid's it was Kane blows a shoe. And then it goes back the other way, and, you know, Keith just gets walked. So it's not fast, pretty. But boy. And, uh, yeah, they, they had a couple of bad giveaways here. Uh, but Kempe with a McDavid type of goal. Like, he's coming a 1,000 miles mm-hmm. an hour. I think it was Duncan Keith he, uh, he ended up uh, beating to yeah, the net. So- no chance. Boy, they're, they're, this is going to be real interesting. The Oilers don't get it done here. You know, now now McDavid and Drysaddle going into year eight or something like that, and the, you know, the frustration the frustration mounts. I have a Sportsnet stats tweet about that about them scoring in a play. I just got to dig it up here quickly. Oh yeah, the Oilers have now lost five straight playoff games when Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaddle score each score in the same game. How is that a thing? Is that not the most damning stat you've ever heard? How the hell does that make any sense? I'm not what sure else can they do? How Get about a goaltending change in game six? Mm. What do you think? You think they... they, they I, I don't think so. That's a ballsy so. move, eh? It would be. Taking Mike Smith out now? 
he can be so good, you know? Like, the Oilers just need him to be good Mike Smith, or they don't really, you know, it's a major issue for them. I thought Kempe's first goal was the the real weak one that he gave up, so. Yeah. Oh, I thought the, the re, the, the Philip Deneau on the redirect, too. That yeah. Found, uh, um, the hole under his arm. Mm-hmm. Right. I just don't think you can go into a do-or-die game on the road and put in ice-cold Koskinen to have your season on the line. I think... Yeah. Like I think you have to go down swinging with 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 Mike Smith. No, I think so too. I think so too. I think so too. Uh, any surprises that uh, once again uh, the Hurricanes make uh, e- uh, make it easy on uh, on the Bruins to be down in this series? You know, the Carolina team is really good, and they've had Boston's number at times throughout the season. When they get goaltending, uh, you know, that's sort of their how they make their hay, right? They're the best defensive team in the NHL this season, won the Jennings Trophy. You know, they, they're at their best when they're playing defensive hockey, and Tony D'Angelo, that charmer, shoots another one in the net, and <laughs> boy, uh, Boston's in trouble here. Three points last night, 21 minutes. At a bargain basement price, and we go, even the Evander Kane, right? We got these certain players out there. You're like, oh, how high maintenance are they? Are they going to be worth it? Are they troublemakers? They're not D'Angelo. troublemakers for one year. Right? Yeah, but D'Angelo did the biggest brutal move, loser move ever in Game Four. Throwing the stick. Throwing the stick. That honestly, yeah. if I if I have a beer a guy on my beer league team that threw his stick, I'd kick him off the team. Throwing your stick <laughs> is the most disgraceful move in hockey. I can't like it's just yeah. that's like I'm a sore loser. I can't handle the fact that he's about to shoot one in the net. That I hated that. That told me all I needed to know about D'Angelo. Hated that. How move. how fast did Rod Brindamore address that with him? Uh, immediately, the second um, he got uh, back to I, the bench. I, I would say pretty darn fast. That yeah. is that is. That's one that uh, doesn't not escape a guy like Rod Brindamore to put that fire out and say, uh, "No, no, that's not that's not what we do." I would agree. Hey, one thing we haven't uh, talked about yet, and I know we got another series to discuss, but uh, the Montreal Canadiens oh, yeah. won the first overall pick in the draft lottery last night, boys. A tale of two cities. Imagine what they're talking about in Montreal today. We haven't even like bre- had a breath of it, and it's yeah. it's all they'd be talking about in Montreal. But yeah. man. Rigged. Yeah, rigged. listen. That's fine. It's, it's rigged. No, it's exciting. Oh, the drafts here. in Montreal? Oh, they are a franchise that needs some help? All rigged. <laughs> Foregone conclusion, uh, Shane Wright's a Montreal Canadian. Yes. I, I, How about their top picks? Him and Suzuki have the 200-foot reputation, the Patrice Bergeron reputation. Like, it's one thing for the Habs to get really fun offensive players to make Toronto-Montreal a fun series. If you're a Leafs fan, you're like, ah, come on. We don't need them to get all-around talented guys. What what happens when they sign actual Patrice Bergeron this summer? (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. I do, like, not that uh, I've, I've watched Shane Wright very closely. But the sense is that you're right. It's it, he's in that Patrice Bergeron, um, 200 foot game, and you know, solid. has got a great shot, strong guy, uh, defense, offense, complete game. The one thing I do worry about Montreal with with that title of a first pick overall, that the scope sure. of uh, a first pick overall over the last few years has been 
flash and dash and Mm -hmm. franchise type of player and superstar in the making and you know we we can we can have the comparison of patrice bergeron but patrice bergeron was drafted in the second round how the hell did that wasn't even wasn't even a first rounder so that that he 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 developed into the hall of fame the future hall of famer that he he is today but you know will montreal fans now expect a first pick overall to come in and and wine and dine them uh, every night well they shouldn't you know if you look back at the recent history of first overall picks i think owen power is the best one of the last five years i mean alex lafreniere jack hughes rasmus dahlin nico Heeshier, like none of these guys have changed their franchise uh, the, the five last guys real the last real well, one was Matthews. No, no, no. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go the opposite. There, there's some fans that have really dumped on these guys hard. Sure. You know, Jack, Jack Hughes is, is shows flashes of brilliance, and it's coming. It's but it's taking its time. But I, I'm sure it hasn't been easy for him carrying that title of first pick overall. And and you're not amongst uh, the top scorers already in the league. That's what people expect now. Austin yeah. scores four goals in his opening game it's like it doesn't everybody do that it is wild that like the one year the leafs get the guy they get the guy you know i know <laughs> you know, I know. If, it, if, if it were nico Heeshier or jack hughes oh flailing around here in toronto they might be singing a different song about him you know and I, and you think the Leafs had got the second overall pick that year with Patrick Laine and the Jets get the first overall with Austin Matthews? It's a huge what if. Like they yeah. they really got was it bad. rigged? Was that one rigged, Sam? No, the one before that when Connor McDavid went first overall to the Oilers should have been rigged for the Leafs. <laughs> so maybe they did finally do it right and rig it for the Leafs. So Matthews came to Toronto. I remember when they, Matthews came to Toronto. They're like, he's a he's an Anze Kopitar type, you know? He's a good strong center, and it's like I was like, oh my god, Kopitar, really? And then now he's turned into this, so pretty exciting. All right, three games on tap. Pittsburgh and the Rangers. Uh, does Sid put this one away here? Because if if Shosturkin is not standing on his head, you, you really don't like the Rangers' chances. Here's a question. Whether it happens tonight, the next night, or the next time they play, if the Pittsburgh Penguins win, do they wave Shesterkin off like he waved them off at the end of the regular season? <laughs> Give him the old Danny Markov salute. See you later. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think I, I, was say, I think they get it done tonight. I think maybe the I think Rangers get it tonight, and then it goes back to Pittsburgh, and it, it uh, happens in Game Six for him in Pittsburgh would be how I would predict. Yeah, it going. I think they're going to have a tough time shutting down Crosby. Plus one hundred and nine. Penguins are underdogs, plus 109 tonight if you're looking to chuck a couple of bucks or something. I like that one. Washington Capitals in Florida. Comeback story has been a big part for the Florida Panthers, and that proved to be true in game four, man. They uh, they found a way to pick the pocket of the Washington Capitals here. And uh, it, do we give them any momentum going into this one? No. <laughs> so it's, no. Uh, it's, I don't think so. I've got a couple of thoughts on this uh, Florida series. Number one, so when you know, everyone in Toronto talks about the Marchment trade, and I've talked to people within the organization about that trade, 
the general thought is that Mason Marchman is super injury prone and wouldn't be able to play. Just wouldn't be able to trust that he could be in the lineup. You know, good player, whatever. He's out tonight for for Florida. Uh, so you know that that's interesting that they're going to be missing him. The other thing is, if you're a Leafs fan, who you know want to look ahead here, but we're not on the Leafs. Who do you want? Who would you want to win this Florida this Florida Washington series? I think they're both very different challenges. I think you know the Cats and that high-powered offense might be good for the Leafs, but then you know they got I don't know I I don't know. I, I don't think I think they're care. both a tough task. You, 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 you hope that you're speaking about already defeating the Stanley Cup champions in a Doesn't team matter, that's, I guess. that's deeper than Washington and Florida. Mm-hmm. Deeper on the blue line, deeper at net. We just beat them. Like I don't care. We got you're going to come in feeling as as great as you ever had your whole life playing professional hockey. I don't think it, it really matters. What you want is to see these guys kick the crap out of each other for three more games. I'm 10 right? shows ahead here, but I, I just I can see the Leafs in round two just getting absolutely stuffed in the locker in game one by either team. Just like so happy to move on, counting their chips at the table oh, of having won a series. No, no, no. no. <laughs> no, no, no. You don't this think so? Is, this has always been around, just went around for the Leafs. And if you yeah. do, then uh, there's no reason why you can't carry that conf- I, uh, that confidence now okay. All to right. a just, Final Four. This has been talked about, but just to go back to that Cats-Caps uh, game four, there's, you know, there's so many moments during long runs and them tying that late to avoid going down 3-1. If they go down to win the Stanley Cup, they'll be looking back on that. You know, that, that yeah. tying goal. Was it Verhege that tied, tied it late? And then Reinhardt won it? Or the yeah. other way around? Uh, flipped. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And Calgary, they took over this series. Even though it's 2-2, we really feel like Calgary's taking over, right? Strong yeah, on the Flames tonight. tonight. Yep. All right. Quite the uh, two hours here. We had it all. We had Jimmy Ralph, little humor, little analysis. We had Dave Jackson. We had my uh, house fire alarm go off (laughs) everything seems to be fine i don't know maybe my wife and daughter took off (laughs) go see if the upstairs is burning kipper call call me in 10 minutes to make sure i'm all right eh, as i leave the basement (laughs) all right our thanks to everyone involved on real kipper and born